0: Welcome, everybody. Hi, this is Allie DePew And Kathleen Dent. From Inspired Classroom and Mentoric Software. We are building a community of mentors and elevating the practice of mentorship. This is a show about defining, refining, and discovering how mentorship can revolutionize learning. I have such a special guest today that I am so excited to talk to about mentorship. I would like, I know, I would like to introduce Pat Lamort from Zoom. Pat, Welcome.
1: Wow. Thank you, guys. I'm honored to be here. Uh, Mentorship is a great topic, so I can't wait to dive in.
0: It's awesome. So first off, will you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Because it's a lot more robust than just Zoom, which is also a pretty big title.
1: Yeah, you have a couple hours. Um, (laughs) So I, uh, you know, from New Jersey, New York area, down in Florida now, I um, I am a husband, a father of three teenagers, and we were in education for 27 years. I was a classroom teacher in high school, a building principal, a private school president, my ninth year as a professor. And if you put a, a block there and go back, I also own my own television production photography company for 21 years and helped three startups scale in UX UI design. And now I am the global EDU solutions lead for Zoom.
0: Are you tired <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so well this is this is exactly why I wanted you to come on our podcast because in so many of those titles, I believe mentorship plays. A pretty big role from helping startups move from one point to the next, from working in the school system. As a principal, I know you and Kathleen can share some stories about- War stories, yes.
1: <laughs> it's really good stories. We call them uh, challenges and opportunities.
0: That's right. <laughs> exactly. About, about mentorship. And I think that's one of the most- um, important parts to us right now is really trying to understand and get to the heart of what mentorship is. So I'd love to just start you off with talking about what does mentorship mean to you?
1: Yeah, I'm going to actually rephrase it and say it's actually mission critical, not just a nice to have. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's missing a lot in the development of training these days through schools. Um, That idea of mentorship means you know, passing on the skills and legacy to keep that profession going. I mean, mm-hmm. I cannot think of anything in this world that someone didn't teach you the ropes before you got into it, at least doing it the right way, right? And and that stays true with what you said with education, okay. you, know, you, you know, you can't expect, you know, teachers to just jump in and, and teach and some can, but there's got to be a mentorship program, a training program, a guide, some rails. I think, you know, I don't care if you're talking about creativity, if you're talking about industry, you know, there is got to be this some sort of mentorship that, you know, you got to pave the way for the people that come after you.
2: That's our responsibility as educators and as as professionals, I think, is is to do that. Um, But it's also very complex. We know that. Um, it's not not an easy thing to do. So what are some traits and characteristics that you found of either yourself as a mentor or as you've come up through the ranks and, and had all of your experiences, uh, folks who have mentored you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm gonna actually uh, go two ways with this. because I think it's interesting to hear both ways. Obviously, through schooling, you have mentors. They start you off with student teaching. So you have a mentor automatically, in, in my case, in New Jersey, they made you student teach in one grade level and practice in another. So I was uh, junior teaching in middle school, uh, to then realize I was not a middle school teacher. <laughs> um, and then I did my student teaching in high school, and I still, to this day, keep in touch with both of those teachers, even though I never really worked for that district. Um, as a matter of fact, when I moved to Zoom, one of my mentor teachers from probably 1994, sent me an oil painting he did about my family because he retired into painting and remembered me as the student, as a mentee way back when. And he's probably had 30 of me come through because he was that kind of professor and remembered everything about us, which is great. And so I think it's very important that some of the characteristics are someone that really is working for their life's work in the profession they're in and truly comes to work to make a difference and wants someone else to do the same. Okay. And I, I think we we have to be careful not to limit that to people that we meet. I've had some people I consider mentors that I'd never met that I read about, uh, or saw a documentary about or influenced me by the way they gave to their craft or to their, to their mission, right? And whether it's artists in my photography days, I mean, there's a difference in making artwork for a commercial purpose than making artwork for the authenticity of the art and your vision. And that's the kind of things you don't learn in school. And I think the same holds true for teaching, right? Like when I got out of my college undergraduate teaching degree, I quickly realized within 16 hours of being in a classroom that nothing I witnessed was taught in a book. Right. (laughs) And I was like, okay then we are have to regroup here and ask a lot of questions how do you handle this how do you handle that you know what's this procedure you're, you're you're placing yourself into a culture that maybe you don't know or that is even different from point a to point b right i mean even with simple as my job now working solutions with zoom with schools i mean every school is different every school is going to think of hybrid differently and how they move forward from you know, the school that has 27 teachers to the school that has, you know, 3,500 teachers. They, they can't operate the same. They're a different, different entity, different, you know, culture.
2: Right. That's that's fascinating. Uh, and, you know, moving into the refined piece of this conversation, a couple of things that you pointed out, the culture piece is so true that whether it's a company or, uh, you know, uh, a calling or a, an education space, that culture, I know as a leader, and, and you probably found this too, there's all of these culture building activities, you know, <laughs> and it's like, that's crucial. But the other thing that I thought was interesting that you said is that you learned that you did not want to be a middle school teacher. And sometimes <laughs> mentorship, I think, we always think of the, the, you know, forward part of, you know, oh, we've got to teach them how to do this and, you know, whatever. But if you're, I think at least in my experience, if you're a really good guide or if you've been guided really well, they also teach you what not to do or that, you know, and help think, you get where you need to be.
1: You know, I, I think that's the responsibility, right? That's the important part. That's the hard part is your job is sometimes to have that bit of a tough conversation to yeah. say, hey, I, I you're going to make it here, but maybe this isn't your calling this way. And, you know, I know teachers that, you know, even within a set of grades, like ninth grade isn't going to work, but 12th grade will, yeah. because the student has developed so much and the ways to manage that student or to, in you know, build that student up to make decisions. And and by the way, I always say in that particular example to like teachers, especially new ones, your ninth graders are only four weeks, 14 weeks out of eighth grade. Yes. In, an eighth, in an eighth grade, mom and dad still signed the planner. So yeah. we have to teach them how to take on more responsibility as they go up. And same thing with teachers, right? When you were in college, you had seven bosses, maybe four bosses as teachers. But now you're going into a structure of six, seven classes. And by the way, the work starts at three when you have to grade the 500 essays you gave out. And when you have to be responsible, because if you can't manage that workload, how can you move the curriculum forward if you don't know the progress that students made, you know on the assignments that you've given? so so I mean, it takes a mentor to teach you those ropes. You know, I never was at a school that the first year teachers didn't have a mentor teacher for the first year and a half.
0: Mm. Will you tell me a little bit about what that looked like because I know that that is something that um, schools, businesses everywhere, are trying to figure out what does a good mentorship program look like and how does it operate? How does it run?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's more—it's really, really important right now because schools are mm-hmm. trying to figure out what school looks like, and, good, especially, and in the States, of, especially in United States, especially United States where they've had this surplus of money. What school do they want to build? They shouldn't be building what they did yesterday, right? For many reasons that we can go into on a different podcast. But I, I love the question. Thank you for asking it. I think it starts with training the mentors. You know, because it all begins with school school. culture. And, you know, when I was hiring people and I've hired for eight years of my administration life, when they got to my level as principal or president, I didn't have to look at the resume. I did, but I had three people do that before me. I was looking for the personality to match the top paragraph on the resume Mm -hmm. to make sure that they were a cultural fit in my organization because I can improve teaching skills with several techniques, I can, you know, find the right fit for the person in my school, but I cannot change a personality. It's not fair to think I could, because I wouldn't want someone changing my personality, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it starts with training the mentors with clear expectations of what the end goal is, and understanding kind of what the checkpoints will be because they have a day job too. They're teaching or they're a department chair or they're an administrator and they're doing this probably for a stipend or because they love doing it, not because they're getting paid a six-figure check. You know, So setting that expectation first and then bringing the new teachers in this case into a new teacher program that's structured that shows them the handbook, shows them what life at X school is because it's different than Y school And then setting up a path of success via uh, cadence of meetings, perhaps recording lessons so they can see back, doing teacher peer observations, and then creating a online container that's safe where they can just quickly message out to the mentor team, hey, I'm seeing this, you know, what should I do? And and again, the breadth of that varies based on the schools and what what they want to do.
2: I love what you're saying about training the mentors first, because I think uh, sometimes that's a step that's overlooked a lot. <laughs> but it also, the good thing about that is is that it builds capacity in your staff because you're improving those folks' skills, too. They need to know their stuff. They need to know what they're doing. But when you give them extra training and support, it's really um building their, you know, capacity in them also, which is exciting to me Um, that we're not we're not just building the new people. We're building the people who are there and who are going to remain loyal and hopefully stay there, you know.
1: And and by the way, Kathleen, I want to stop you there because that is critical, right?
2: Yeah. Let's
1: talk about the business sense. It is much less expensive to train the staff you have than to let them go and rehire.
2: That's right. Well, and and we all know what we're experiencing in shortages of workers, are, you know, globally, but also in education. It's critical right now. Among um, us. Absolutely. Yeah. So retaining those folks is important.
0: So one of the other things that you said, and I want to pull in the idea of the fact that you work for Zoom on this one, Um mm-hmm. You know that Kathleen and I are in Montana. Montana is an incredibly large state. We have a lot of rural schools. How can you, (laughs) yes, how can you use technology like Zoom to help mentorship programs? And have you seen that start to take effect or are you working with any schools to do that?
1: Absolutely. I think it's critical, right? I mean, because not only now do you have the ability to build up your teachers, but if you're part of a bigger district, now you have the ability to get all the third grade teachers together, all the fourth grade teachers together without leaving the school building, right? Or you have the ability to create kind of like a panel and let the teachers ask questions. Um, using Zoom chat, you can have the ability to create a mentorship channel, a chat channel, where they can ask questions on the fly if they're thinking about something at night and they don't want to bother the person, they can put it in the chat. I mean, there's several ways. And and I the one thing I love, too, is that with Zoom, you can turn on a lesson with nobody on hit record try it watch it back send it to your administrator to to critique um you know it's a great asynchronous way to learn but also an asynchronous way to train yourself as well Mm. um so i mean i think it breaks down the barriers of communication that maybe weather puts in place or physical distance puts in place and it actually will change the way your whole operation runs efficiently
0: you know, yeah. I remember in
1: a similar way. We had a, a, a superintendent take on two districts in Mississippi, and he would go back and forth twice a day at forty-five minutes a clip of clip, and no traffic. And oh so he gosh. put a Zoom room in, in each session, and then he saved on all that all that time in the car.
2: Right? Um, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we have uh, we have similar situations in the the schools that we work with. A lot of times are those small rural schools with. Maybe 20 kids in the in one school, you know, grades k eight or k twelve or whatever. And that isolation that they experience is huge. And to build your practice is very hard when you know you're the only science teacher for every kid, you know for every grade. Um, that's a big span. So uh, yeah, I like what you're saying about, you know, some of us get get technology weary. But I also think there's such power in it for collaboratively supporting each other.
1: Let's go there for a second, because mentorship doesn't stop at teacher to teacher.
2: Right. You
1: know, your teachers are mentors all day long.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> and,
1: and for those teachers, even in that case, like, you know, Montana or even like North Dakota or even New Hampshire, look at geographically. If you're in the top west corner of New Hampshire, we're not able to by the higher teachers that can teach all the classes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe they're using their teachers that teach in the southern part of the state up there. But imagine, like you said, there's one teacher that teaches it. They want to be able to offer like a ninth hour or an after school question session for students and can't expect them to, you know, come to the classroom all the time, especially if they're remote or if they have a, a sport or a club. And now with Zoom, they could have a tutoring room or a session that they can open up for anybody to drop in if they want to and it's there and available and i think that reigns true at any level that reigns true in corporate
2: to me what you're saying um, about technology and our subject of mentorship i feel like it's almost supercharging mentorship it's 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 connecting people in ways that we've never imagined before but that we've wanted to do so that's exciting
1: I mean, imagine this, right? So yes, I agree. As long as you use technology as a tool to solve the problem that you have, right? Right. You can't just throw it at the wall because it's technology. And and I'm the biggest tech geek you'll find. I mean, yeah. I probably have 13 cameras in this room, and the only one that's working is my laptop one. So that's part of tech. You have to be fluid and adjustable, right? And um, but what you just said is exciting too, because think about the idea of mentorship, right? So I I, I listened to Steven Spielberg once accepting the Cecil D. uh, Mill Award, mentioned that mentorship is what got him there. And he went through this whole litany of producers, of the quality that you would just be a fly in the wall for. And they all mentored the next generation upward. Well, now imagine if you are training or mentoring new teachers, and you can bring someone like Todd Whitaker in because you have Zoom. Right. Or someone like, you know, now they don't have to travel and and all across the country for a 30 minute session. They can just jump on Zoom. And now you're getting that reinforcement from some of the most published you know experts in the field. And you're seeing that at the college level, at the high school level, at the industrial level. I mean, think about when you're studying to be, for a vocation, whether it be medical or or auto mechanics, you know, to have that hands on ability via Zoom um really is a game changer I, I don't know about you guys but you know when I learn I don't learn linearly right <laughs>
2: right right <laughs>
1: I mean I might you know find something that you say look it up online read an article about it that points me to a video that points me to a clip that I might watch that for a day and then go back to the article and then you know so mm-hmm. I, that's how people learn you know that's how we learn as lifelong learners and you know as well as I do when someone in your life comes down with a illness or something you have the best education you ever had about that right and, and it wasn't hard because it wasn't a choice
2: <laughs> right yeah you know, it may,
1: yeah. may have been hard when you're done with it but you're like you, you wanted to help that person well same thing here and I think it's very important in mentorship that we listen to the learner's voice all the way up because they're going to tell you what they need
2: yes oh I love that Mm -hmm. Is it snakes in
0: the axle time? Oh, it might be time for some snakes in the axles.
1: So So should I be happy or frightened?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't, don't be too, don't be too afraid of the snakes in the axles. No, this is a part where we, it's like, what went wrong? What snakes got into your axles and gummed up the works? When has mentoring either been a challenge? And did you see something that you went, wow? That either, for me, was not a good experience as a mentee or, boy, as a mentor, I wish I had done something a little bit different. Do you have an experience like that that you'd be willing to share?
1: Yeah, I think uh, two, two different quick stories. One is globally, and it's you know worth the price of admission, my own kind of <laughs> thoughts, is that the world sped up and we're huh. all in a rush to get somewhere. And to beat the next person out, that we've kind of skipped that part of mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. Because we focus so much on a degree or on a credit that they were automatically ready to do the job, which is sometimes great. But we have to slow down and and really craft. And you can see that coming back now. It came back full circle. We used to have apprentices. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wanted to be a blacksmith or a metal worker. They didn't give you the blowtorch and say, good luck. You were an apprentice for several years and maybe even a decade as you learned that craft. And, and I think that's long lost. And now it's starting to be seen like, oh, we got to start paying attention to that. So I think that's kind of one thing that happened to mentors. And one thing I learned early on, and Kathleen, you might have some more stories as well. And if not, I want to learn from you is that when I became an administrator for the first time, I learned very quickly in letting myself down as a mentor that I need to listen twice as much as I talk.
2: Yeah, very true. Very true.
1: (laughs) And um, that's something that is invaluable to me now, both as a a parent, as a a spouse, as an educator, as an employee is listen twice as much as you talk. I mean, there's sometimes that, you know i'll even ask them too if i get to the point i'm like are you looking for a device or you want it to just be heard
2: hmm that's a really good mentor question that is a good there's
1: one. a difference right because sometimes yes. they're like i just need the vent you know nothing's wrong no one's no one's in the hospital i just need the vent because x y and z like when you get that wonderful letter from home as a teacher <laughs> you know my mentor suggestion after doing it the wrong way as a teacher and as an administrator Is do not respond, print it out, highlight the questions they asked and forget the rest, because then you get back and forth and it doesn't go anywhere, anywhere good at least.
2: (laughs) That's that's absolutely true. Plus, it's a time suck. And to me, to me, that that was the snake in my axle uh, when I was a principal, um, is going down these, these rabbit holes of trying to fix things and make them better. And what, and it was hours and hours. And all of a sudden you look back and go, well, that didn't do anything. And now I've spent, you know, eight hours trying to figure it out. So, um, I think that's really, really great advice. Um,
1: not only is it a time suck, it's a morale suck too.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause now afterwards you're not in the mood to do anything.
0: Right, no. super stressful. No. Yes. Well, and I can really relate to where you were talking about the listening. I can remember a huge turning point in my career as an educator when a mentor of mine came in after observing me and said, you know, it doesn't always have to be the Alley show. And I went, wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it was it was perfectly placed. It was, I had a great relationship with this mentor. And so any advice or any of those comments that came in, I really took to heart. And I started thinking, wow, what am I doing? And just taking a step back, looking at my practice as an educator and going, yep, I need to start listening and letting these kids lead the direction as opposed to me having a fun, fun and game circus time with Allie all the time.
1: Right. And they're amused not learning, right? And and I think that brings up a good point. It brings up a good point. One of the techniques that I love using, and even to this day, and it's got two versions one is yes, no, yes, and one is positive criticism, positive. Mm. Always open with a positive, offer some criticism to help them get better, and then close with a positive because who does not want to hear that they did something well? Because that's going to motivate them to the next level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like with my time, time suck. We said, if, if I'm busy now and someone asks something of me and it's not going to move my needle forward, I will politely say no by offering a yes, no, yes answer. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, thank you so much for considering me. I'm humbled. Um, if I said yes to all of these offers, I'd never get my own work done. I appreciate it. You know, you know, I'd love to be considered in the future you know, great job writing that book, whatever it might be, they'll end on a positive as well because you're not saying no because you don't like them. You're saying no, because we all have the same 168 hours in a week.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) You know, so. so.
2: So true. So, um, what advice would you give someone, uh, who wants to mentor others? I think you've, you've touched on a few things. Um, but, but in general, You know, what what makes you want to be a mentor and what advice would you give to people?
1: Yeah, so I think what makes you want to be a mentor is the love of what you're doing, right? Or the belief in what you're doing that has value in the world at whatever level that is. And I'd say the advice I give, it won't be my own. I'll I'll steal it from John Maxwell, is the hardest person to manage is yourself, So yeah. work on your work on yourself first, because if you can't better yourself, you can't give that to others.
0: Hmm. Hmm. All right. I have one revolutionizing of learning and mentorship question for you. If you could change the learning environment today, what would you do, and where would you start? And I would say
2: that your position in Zoom, <laughs> you you are in a in a unique position to to see <laughs> that that future and and to see what where we need to go with it
1: yeah and again this is my own view right and it's worth the price of admission but i would take my forearms and push through the rows of seats and just clear them out of the way
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because learning isn't linear Hmm. and we're so used to a session a system where you sit here sit here sit here get out that that's not how we learn that's how 20 percent of us learn And we can still accommodate that in the classroom, but we need to be able to listen to student voice because that's super important, especially nowadays when, you know, after this, you know, pandemic, we're all living through still, we can't say it's past. You know, one of the things that came out of it in looking as an educator, I looked very closely is that education has never been so accessible. And now people are saying, wait, we just proved we don't need to sit in those rows in those rooms for eight hours a day. And so now they're looking for a choice, whether it be for financial reasons of babysitters or club activity, sports trainings, or just, hey, I'm specializing in this. I'm going to go to this school during the morning and this school at night. So I think we have to listen to student voice. I know colleges are especially. They're looking at future competitiveness. And they're looking at how to protect their identity on an online platform. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if I had to change it one way, I would go deeper and wider rather than fast and shallow and allow students to, to be able to explore their curiosity and creativity. Because if you do that, you'll have to kick them out when the bell rings.
2: Oh, that is so true. That is so true. And I do see the cracks in the, in the walls a little bit of those classrooms being blown apart, you know, but, uh, it, it's a hard lift for everybody, you know. It's 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 like, do we do we continue to do what we're doing, or do we find new ways? And and I'm seeing there's movement, there's definitely. Well, and movement. I think that's
0: where mentorship really comes in. And that's just yeah. to bring it back. I think that when you have some of those early adopters or the teachers that are excited about trying something a little bit different, that's when, as an administrator. You take that energy and you try to funnel it.
1: Yes. And, but I'll, I'll do have a piece of caution there. Don't discourage the teachers who are great storytellers.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. By
1: trying to force them to be. Because if I go from A to B, I'm still not differentiating. All <laughs> I've done is shift from this side of the ping right. pong table. Mm-hmm that side of the ping pong table. I think the way to do that, you hire a teacher for their style, their personality, their experience, their whatever, is to not can that into the newest craze, but to see what fits their style in the area you hired them to. I hate when people move teachers around because they feel like they're being complacent. No, if your specialty is Brit literature, you're teaching 12th grade English because you're going to thrive there right and and so so yeah i think student voice mixed with pairing the best person for the job and supporting their style because students are going to come back five years from now and they're not going to remember the mascot they're going to remember that english teacher that changed their yeah. life
2: uh, right
1: and they're going to remember that math teacher from second grade i can't remember what i ate for dinner yesterday but i can tell you about my second grade teacher miss yoban and yep. it's like yep. it's true we're impressionable and those and and that's going to make me want to do better when I get into the world as a student or we're lifelong learners. Now, you know, people right now are going to be faced with reskill upskill. And, you know, I read something yesterday that said that corporations are going to have 70% of their employees in the next five years are going to have to go through reskill and upskill.
2: Yeah. Boy that brings it back to mentorship too. Cause if they're not supported, you know, you can't just throw them in front of a screen and say, watch this video. They've got to be supported. A hundred
1: percent. And then you have a whole gamut there, right? It's like teaching college. I say my students, but they were 18 to 70. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So you're reskilling, upskilling someone that has three years left to retire versus someone who's 10 years in.
0: Uh There's a lot
1: of, there's a lot of fear there too. You have to be careful of. And a mentor is one of the best ways to help coax that fear and and to make it successful.
0: Oh man, that's wonderful. Well, I think we're we're about out of time for our podcast today, Pat. And I thank you so much for joining us no and sharing your insight. Are there any last mentorship stories or words of advice that you would like to share with us?
1: Never stop wanting to be a mentor because as you want to teach or learn, you learn yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Mentor Meetup, and we look forward to hopefully talking to you again.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for having me. This has been great.
0: Wonderful.
2: Thanks for joining Allie and me from Mentor Meetup. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends, subscribe, and leave a rating or review. Find out more about what Inspired Classroom is up to by visiting inspiredclassroom.com and following us on all the regular social media platforms.